So can you tell us a little bit about how you get into this space? Jefferson Noel. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Vaughn, for the opportunity to be on 360 Magazine. It is an honor and a pleasure. As you said, my name is Jefferson Noel. I'm a professor at Florida Memorial University, South Florida's only HBCU, a three-time published author and founder of Barbershop Speaks, where we engage in intelligent discussions inside barbershops and beauty salons. And we've been having dialogues in barbershops and beauty salons for about six years now. And one of our most recent conversations has been on crypto. We've had, we're in a series called Crypto Combos. And we talked about things from voter education to financial literacy to mental health awareness. And I believe this conversation about crypto is just as important as all of them. So I actually entered into the crypto space, I want to say about a year ago, around April, 2021. And I learned, I was learning so much. I was reading about it. I was watching any YouTube video that I could find. I was joining communities. I started following a bunch of people on Twitter, <laughs> just learning as much as possible, trying to get as connected um, as deeply as I can. And as I was learning about crypto, of course, one of the first things I heard about was Dogecoin. Then I learned about Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of that. And then this word called NFT came out of nowhere. What the hell is an NFT, a non-fungible token? And so I was watching these videos and they were like, well, first you have to know what fungible means. I'm like, okay, let me learn what fungible means. And so, <laughs> so I started learning so many different things on the NFT space. And I saw that people were selling digital rocks for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I eventually learned that NFTs are not just about pictures, not just about monkeys or, or dogs or rocks. Um, but I learned about the technology behind NFTs, um, the ability to verify ownership of a digital asset on the blockchain. That's something worth learning and that's something worth sharing with the world. And that's what really piqued my interest. Yeah, ours as well, because it was like, it's like basically if you have an original painting, how do you really know if it's original? Like, who certified that person to certify that painting? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So what made you want to be a, become a professor? Was this something in your family? Is this just something that you were like, when you were nine years old, I want to be a professor? Believe it or not, so my parents, they're actually immigrants. They are from Haiti. And they came to the United States seeking out a better life for themselves, for their families back home, and their future families. And they actually met here in the, in the U.S. They didn't know each other while in Haiti. Um, so it was serendipitous that they found each other they do not have you know college degrees i think the most that my parents have my mom has an associates i believe and growing up i never really knew what career i wanted to do of course i wanted to play basketball because i grew up watching Dwayne wade i grew up watching kobe may you rest in peace I grew up watching lebron james the greatest basketball player to ever so i wanted to go to the nba but I remember trying out for my high school basketball team and it was, you know, they were, they had us do a five on five and they said shirts versus skins. I'm like, shirts versus skins, what's that? And then they said, if you're skins, you gotta take off your shirt. And I remember taking off my shirt amongst all of these giant men. I was like, oh my God, I'm skinny as hell. And not only was I skinny, but I was also slow. And long story short, I didn't make the basketball team. And that's when I knew this dream of going to an NBA wasn't going to happen. And <laughs> honestly, throughout my high school life <laughs> and then even beginning of, of my college life, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I love to help people. I knew that I love to impart wisdom and purpose um, into others. I eventually developed deep understanding of the importance of education that's something my parents has been have been trying to instill in me my entire life i finally understood it as an adult you know i was actually in the process of writing a book um and so i decided to fly up to you know i i, I was writing this book for so long and it was taking a long time to write it and i was like okay i need to lock myself away in some random place <laughs> if i want to finish this book and so i flew to canada um, my first time going, I went by myself and I was staying at some Airbnb and that's when I actually met a professor and that was my first time ever sitting down next to a professor 
um, having dinner because the Airbnb host said, hey, you know, you're up locked in your room, um, come have dinner with us. And after having a conversation with him, visiting his class, he gave me a tour of St. Catharines, Canada and Niagara Falls, Canada. Um, I was like, hmm, this professor thing sounds very interesting. You know, I've had professors and I had professors that I love, but I never really engaged with them. And that experience prompted me to say, that's something I would like to do. Um, so after I flew back to Miami, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish my bachelor's degree. I'm going to finish my master's degree and I'm going to see how I can be a professor. And thank God I was able to land a job um, a couple months after graduating with my master's um, at Florida Memorial University. Congratulations. Yeah, and right now, thank you. And so I teach public speaking, business and professional speaking, and we'll start teaching intro to cryptocurrencies. And so public speaking is something that I'm passionate about. Uh, listening to public speakers changed my life. And they say that, you know, whatever changes your life, God will use it, use that same thing to change someone else's life. So that's why I love public speaking. Um, and that's what I teach and just help my students to become the best version of themselves. It's so great to meet a professor and a person in education that actually values the process and values. And you see, you see, you see the process and you're part of the process and now you're paying for it. Like, how does that make, how does that make mm -hmm. you feel? Like inside, sometimes you look in the mirror. I mean, do you feel like you be like, I'm just, but like, seriously, how does that make you feel? Because your parents were immigrants. And it's like, we're just finding out about all these different ethnicities in our culture and our heritage. Because, you know, a lot of people, I don't think a lot of us even understood Haiti and how it's, you know, close proximity to the Dominican Republic. And yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you asked me, how does it feel looking in the mirror? And I feel two things. One, I feel very empowered and joyful that I was able to accomplish my parents' dream um, for me uh, because, you know, my dad always tell me, I, this is what he says to me, I never graduated from the university, um, so the university came to my home. And that's, that's just a very, very powerful statement. And it makes me so proud. It makes me so happy. But at the same time, when I also look in the mirror, I look at, you know, I, I just look at all the things that I would like to accomplish because being a professor is just one step in a very long journey. And I think about, you know, family at home who's still struggling, family here in the States who are still struggling as well. And so I ask myself, what more can I do? So I have a, a sense of, of pride and joy, but then also a sense of, of feeling like there's like this feeling of hunger. Like there's so much more that can be done. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, look how much you you accomplished so much. Wow. So, I mean, you must be really proud though. Seriously, honestly, like if my parents, my parents both grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and um, you know, they had us and we didn't have a lot. They went, they went, they went, my mother went three and a half years of school and my dad went two and a half years at Howard. My mother went to Central State Wilberforce in Ohio. And, um, but to see a person like yourself and just to have this, you're a testimony, you know, you're a testimony and you're tried and yeah. true. But you're telling people that my parents didn't go to school. They didn't know how to do school. And then I put myself through school. So it's just like, wow. So, and now you want to show other young people how to do that. I think that's beautiful. And now you really enjoy what you're doing too. And you keep on learning. So what, what, what do you think that thirst for learning comes from? Well, honestly, well, so one, my parents definitely, but also one thing that I quickly realized when I became an adult is that people respect others who know what they're talking about. People respect others who are intelligent, who are knowledgeable. I remember in high school, I wasn't the best student. And whenever I tell this to my university students, they're like, that's not true. I'm like, listen, I was a, I was a bad student. I would go to school and I remember I would walk in my book bag, the, nothing in it, of course. And I would just swing my book bag around, put it on the desk, use it as a pillow, go to sleep every class. And I missed so much. And when I became an adult and I, and I went to college and I started to learn more about my self-worth and purpose, 
I was like, let me go back and learn all the things that I should have learned. So I remember like just a small example in high school, in our English class, there was this orange book, the small orange book with a whole bunch of words in it. And I was like, let me learn these words. <laughs> let me learn these words because they would give us quizzes in, on it all the time. And, you know, I would always fail because I never read the orange book. I was like, let me start reading this book now. And so years after high school, I'm learning all the, basically catching up with everything, catching up with everything I should have learned a couple years prior. And in doing that, I, was, I noticed that the way that I spoke to other people was elevated. The way that I understood how people spoke to me, that elevated as well. And I was like, wow, like having more knowledge than less knowledge is a great thing. It's something that should be valued. It's something that should be cherished. It's something that will help you not only for a professional career, but it'll help you socially as well. That's in part where that thirst for knowledge came. And I was like, I had to continue, I had to finish. And it's not only, and when I say knowledge, I'm not only speaking about getting that degree, although I see it as very important. I also, I'm speaking about learning things like human behavior, I'm learning about psychology, learning about history, learning about what motivates people to make decisions. Like you don't need to have specific classes or degrees to learn about those things you could go on youtube and um, you know look up this thing called crash course where they speak about an array of subjects whether it's sociology anthropology history whatever the case is and i realized that as i was watching a lot of those videos as i was sort of taking education into my own hands that's when I realized that my that I was moving up the ladder, that I was taking my life to another level. And once I saw that, I was like, you know, I, for, for life, I will be a learner. I will be a learner for life. You said a lot of profound things, particularly when you're talking about life skills. I feel like, you know, first and foremost, like you said before, I want, you know, we, we, we can say we have all these certificates and, you know, you're very well accomplished, but it's like there's there's so many different types mm -hmm. of people. I feel like I feel like there's a, a rare around human being is somebody who is compassionate, who actually takes the time out to learn things and also understand culture. Like to me, traveling and experiencing things in the first hand is just as it's just as provocative as uh, going to school and reading a book. So and, and, and doing a course syllabus work. Mm -hmm. But for me, college was all about the experience, meeting the people, networking, you know, getting a taste of culture. I never really met that many Haitian people in Detroit growing up. And then and it's like to me for so learning, like you said, is, isn't just about being book smart. It's about having common sense and applying that common sense and having and having um, you, know, you, you have anything. But just being understanding and compassionate. But the great thing is what you said, too, was about um, you learned a lot from your parents. I'm sure you learned a lot about um, discipline, hard work. And then speaking of which, um, what kind of methods do you use when you were studying as a child? And, 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 and how they vary versus today? Methods, when I'm, repeat the question, I mean, when, studying, you're when you when you were, um, what, what methods did you use to study as a child versus today? Ooh, as a child, so that's the thing. We were, well, let me speak for myself. I didn't really, I wasn't taught how to study. I was just told that it's important to study, right? And so methods I used as a child, I would just, you know, try to lock, lock myself in a room <laughs> and try to just read the whole thing. Like that, that was my mentality, read the whole thing and not studying. When in reality, you know, one, when you study, um, I didn't realize that you should be studying for comprehension and application, right? It was just, I was just studying in the past just to pass a test like okay i think the teacher said this um let me make sure i memorize this because most likely it'll be on a test but it wasn't necessarily for comprehension and application so now if i'm studying or if i'm reading something then i'm asking how does what i am reading apply to my life or how can i apply it to my life it doesn't if it doesn't apply to my life directly i would think of the people in 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 my life my friends family you know colleagues see okay this is 
this information may not be applicable to me, but it's applicable to their situation. So I would essentially attach my human connections with the words on the paper or with the videos that I'm watching in order for me to have a more well-rounded understanding. So you did that from an early age? How old were you when you started doing that? Well, not an early age, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Definitely when I got serious about college, that's when, and honestly, I think it started when I when I was taking economics. <laughs> when I was taking economics, I, I was a student at Valencia College in Orlando. Uh, I started taking macroeconomics with a professor called Miss Cassidy. And I found it very fascinating. <laughs> it was very fascinating. And you know, that class was one of the things that really gave me a lot of interest in how um, humans are um, incentivized, right? Um, and, you know, learning things like the, the terms in economics where they say no free lunch, how everything comes at a cost, learning about opportunity costs, learning about supply and demand, learning about, you know, all of those things. I was like, oh, like this is about macroeconomics, but it's also about my life. <laughs> it's also about my life. And so I really started learning like that in college and I said, okay, I could apply a lot of the different subjects that I'm taking in class um, to my life. So I was, I was actually micro and macroeconomics. I didn't know what the heck they were talking about to the point where I had to ask my professor at Cornell, could I, can I come to, you know, get the extra credit. And then once I went to his office, I was, but the mm -hmm. third time I went there, he, I started to understand because you were telling me, like you said, comprehension comes mostly and namely when you apply it. So I, I, he told me something one time and it just switched up to my brain. So to this day, I always say, what I say? Um, but you, what I, you know, it's always, you, you know, supply versus demand. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, if, it's like, if it's yeah, not, yeah. Demand, yeah. So that's why I look at it, I'm like, if it's not in demand, then I don't want it. So when he turned that on, that little thing, it was a switch, I forgot what it was. Ah, but um, that's, it's kind of like you, you you look at life like that and you change your outlook on life. And so listening to you say that is kind of like so surreal because it sounds like that was a, a changing moment with you. Do you remember exactly where you were when that happened? I didn't realize how much of a presence you were gonna have, but when I saw Barbershop Talks at NFT, I was thinking like, this person is like, this is like a really interesting human being. Like, you know, it goes down in a barbershop. You're talking about relationships. You're talking about selling and buying. Um, it's a lot going on. So when I saw it and I went down your credentials and I was like, yeah, this guy is pretty intelligent. Not only did he, 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 he you know, you, you hit the, the, the uh, nail, you hit the nail, you know, right on the head when you did barbershop, this yeah. barbershop. Yeah. So what made you, how did you, did, were you in the barbershop when you came with the, um, with the concept ideal? <laughs> yeah. So the short answer is yes. Um, I, <laughs> so I was, so remember I, I graduated with my associates from Valencia College and I was debating whether or not to go to the University of Central Florida or FIU. And then I eventually decided to go to FIU in Miami. And when I was deciding to move back to Miami, I was thinking, hmm, I really want to meet new people who are like-minded. I really want to challenge myself. I really want to have conversations that matter. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with my old friends from Miami because that's something that I'm really blessed with. And that's a really good circle around me. But I know that if I wanted to go to the next level, I had to meet people at the next level. So I was just thinking like, what can I do? Because I'm a you know serial entrepreneur, so entrepreneur. And so I was like, you know, what can I do? And I was thinking maybe I should go inside a Starbucks and hold up a sign that says intelligent conversations here. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be a weirdo. <laughs> people will look at me like, who is this kid? What is he doing? And I remember while I was in Miami, I was getting a haircut and these two people were arguing on who's better, LeBron James or Stephen Curry. And I'm like, what are they arguing about? LeBron James is clearly better. Like, it's like, there's no, 
anyways, that's a completely different story. But I'm like, I was listening to them and they were arguing with passion and vigor. And that's something that, you know, I saw growing up because my dad, he he's had many jobs, but at one point in his life, he was a barber. Um, and, you know, so I would go to the barbershop all the time with him. And I just recall all these conversations that would always take place um, across genre. Right. And I was like, OK, what would happen if we engaged in intelligent conversations inside barbershops and beauty salons? What would happen if we had conversations that actually matter? What would happen if we bring experts into the room to have those conversations with us? And that's essentially how Barbershop Speaks came to be was through those realizations. And, and prior to me having Barbershop Speaks, my sister had something called the Living Room Project, where we would go inside people's living rooms and had conversations as well. So we're, we're a family of, of conversations, really. And, you know, so and I saw the barbershop as that place. You know, the barbershop, in my opinion, is the community's classroom where everyone is both the teacher and the student. We became one of the media sponsors for the NFT VIP, and we were coming up with a concept, and you're going to see when we release it today. I want to be able to list your name. That's why when, when I saw you, I was like, oh, my God. I got I to gotta talk to him before we go to this place. But no, no, you know, I'm not going to let you think I was, I stole your idea or nothing. But I'm telling you, we was already working on it. That's but, fine. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of cool to see a, um, a young African-American guy like yourself following into those footsteps. What what was this adventure and this journey like for you? Because you know, already know the way we're stereotyped um, to be. Uh, how was it? How was that journey for you to be in such a, uh, a conversational world. Yeah, the the journey, is, man, the journey is great and is also discouraging at the same time. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's great because I can say, like, I am full with people who are giving me my flowers in terms of congratulations, you are amazing. Everything you're doing is great. You know, you're changing lives, etc. But then it's also, it can be disappointing sometimes where people see the value of what you have, but then people are not always willing to pay you the value of what you're worth. And that's the you know, that's something that is a fight, is an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle. And, you know, I always tell people that, you know, you're going to live anyways, and you might as well live with purpose, regardless of how people show their appreciation, whether it's through words or through deeds, you know, that appreciation, you should welcome it. And that's what I do. But also I'm saying, okay, I have to keep fighting. I have to keep pushing forward. I have to keep climbing to the top and I have to keep lifting as I climb because you can't spend you know, your life looking at all of the people who are not helping or not giving because that detracts from what you are trying to accomplish. In my opinion and the way I practice is I move forward, I push on, I look for opportunities. Whenever opportunity come my, come my way, I take advantage. I see myself as an executor. Like that's what I do. Like I execute, when I have a vision, I have a dream, I have a goal, I execute. If I tell someone I'm going to um, help them, I execute and I do it as if I'm doing it for myself. I do it as if I'm doing it for my family members. And so that's the way I view life. That's how it has to be. You know, it's not easy to determine why people value, you know, value you in certain, you know, value in words, but not necessarily through through deeds or monetarily. It's not it's not easy to distinguish what the reason is for that. You know, I could say it's because I'm black. I could say it's because I'm an immigrant. I could say it's because of all, all those things. But at the end of the day, what matters is as long as I continue to be on my grind, as long as I continue to do um, life as 
the the proper way, if you will, as long as I continue to live with purpose unashamedly, then I know I'll reach the promised land. Um, you already know summer summer hours, to say the least, in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I normally reside in Los Angeles, but with the pandemic going on, we've been doing uh, virtually all different kind of places. So um, I hear you. It's so um, very very interesting to know that you are talking about some stuff that's uh, that's hitting home for a lot of people because you know you you spent a lot of money for your education. Mm-hmm. You got to pay that back. You got to pay that back, and, and and it's like yeah, you're not better than nobody. You're not smarter than anybody. It's not about that, but it's about the fact that you comprehended and you learn how to apply that. Comp- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you've also paid that money, and you and now you've invested in this. It's like you, you want your rate of your investment back. You want your, you know what I'm saying? What is your return? So people don't understand that, you know, as brothers and sisters, you know, not just in the minority community, just in general, we, you know, your friends are worth it. If you, if I'm really your friend, then stop, stop, um, stop trying to get it for free. You know, it's like, don't you understand? I have to train somebody. Like we have an internship program with all major universities. We have to pay coordinators. We have to pay this person. We have to pay this that person. It's like you pay webmaster. There's virtual private servers. There's firewalls. There's a whole another thing that's above and beyond them. And people don't really understand that. But why do I have to keep on explaining that to you? Why we can't just understand that we should just support one another? Because if I'm giving you, if I'm giving you a jewel, and I'm giving you some information that you can use for the rest of your life, like you're teaching people right now. You're teaching people how to Jefferson. I don't think you really you you know what you're doing because you enjoy it. And that's one thing that makes it so beautiful because it's like you can feel it. It's like it's kind of great because it's like just when you thought you were just, you know, I get a little tired and exhausted of the world. I meet someone like you and it's like, oh, my God, we do exist. There's people that really enjoy trying to figure out how to show people the things they learned that help them travel through life faster. And I feel like what you're doing right now is like is 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 amazing, and I, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. That's why I told her. I told you. I told you at camp. I said, "Why would I want to wait? I can't wait. I want to get. I wanna, like we want to meet him now. Like that's we're we're known to break. Like you know, we're a small boutique book, but we break stuff. And it's like I want to be. Able to, I want to be able to talk about you before anybody else talks about you at the concert at the, uh, at the conference. So that's why. And I I I, I know you. I know I know your work. I know, I know what you work, and I know you got a lot of, I know you got a lot of loans, and I know you got a lot of things going on, and you probably took care of a lot of that stuff. But you worked really hard, and people should pay you what you're worth. Absolutely. And, and to you, can you explain to us what are you worth, so we can get an idea of that? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this: when I when I hear that question, "What are you worth?" Um, I, you know, I think monetary, but I also think you know, as a human, and. As far, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a measurement scale available or invented yet that can calculate how much I'm worth, <laughs> right? It's like, it doesn't exist. And there will never be one to calculate how much I'm worth or how much you're worth or how much anybody else is worth. Like, it doesn't exist. As humans, we have intrinsic worth and intrinsic value, which essentially is you know, the work that we have is independent of who we know, what we have, where we were born, what's our nationality, how much money we have, what our education level, like our work is intrinsic, is is locked in. Like once you're born, it's locked in, it's done, it's a wrap, right? And so that's what I think when I hear what is your work. Monetarily, on the other hand, there's you know people you know paying for your time whether it be speaking hosting giving a keynote a workshop whatever the case is and right now and i've been you know you spoke a lot with my team and i'm working with my team right now you know we're looking at not taking any engagements for less than three thousand right and for some people that sounds like a lot but for me, who know how much public speakers get paid, come on. Like, I was listening to Les Brown. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Les Brown. I was listening to Les Brown, and he was speaking at a, another in another country, and he said something that was hilarious. Some people could view it as rude, but he said, I get paid more in one hour than 90% of Americans will make in one year. And so... And he deserves it. 
he deserves it because he worked extremely hard to get to the position that he's in, right? He was born in an abandoned building in Miami on the second floor. He never met his biological parents. He was a twin and people used to call him the dumb twin. He was labeled educable, mentally retarded. He was pushed back twice, you know, and he came out of all of that and still, right, became successful. He became a state representative in Ohio. He became a nationally and internationally recognized speaker. Of course, he deserves to get paid $50,000 an hour to speak, right? It's Les Brown. And I'm moving up that ladder as well. I know where I came from. I know where my parents came from. I know what I've accomplished and I know what I bring to the table. And so if you ask me, asking someone to pay 3000 or 5000 for me to speak for an hour, I'm giving a discount. And so that's what I hear when I hear, what are you worth? That's amazing because uh, I'm looking at your intrinsic value just listening to you and all the information you have and being raised in such a, a hardworking family. And I'm sure there's a lot going, you know, a lot, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of challenges going on with the immigrant parent. But look at you now. And then on top of that, you go through this resume. I can't, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I just see a lot of little network numbers and, and symbols. And, <laughs> uh, and to me that, you know, like you said, I know, I know, I know the, I know the hard work and the struggles and all that stuff you've been through and had to pay for your own books at school and had to probably get used books. I mean, I see that all in this stuff. Like, I, I, I like, I look, at, I'm looking at this as zeros and ones, like in the matrix. Yeah. And I'm seeing, like, I, I'm seeing, I, I'm seeing like all zeros, like <laughs> But it's like so unfortunate that no one can see that. Yeah. And it's like, um, and I think that, um, or if they do see that, do you think there's something else why they don't want to recognize that? Um, besides the fact that they probably don't want to pay you the budget and that's how that's people's way of lowballing one another but do you think there's some other things that's playing as a resort resort of that like you're not getting paid because I, I i see zero i would never come to you for less than ten thousand dollars to speak somewhere for me wow i appreciate that that means a lot and yeah it, it's definitely a struggle like there's there's definitely a a, a vestige of the de dehumanization of black people that still exist you know some people say it's small some people say it's large some people say it's widespread others says it's isolated but regardless of where you fall on that spectrum it exists and it's something that is is just really really unfortunate and the mentality that i have personally is that you know, no matter who I'm dealing with, whether or not they see me as less than because of my color or because of where I'm from, or they see me as who I truly am, I'm going to always put my best foot forward. I'm not going to allow someone's perception of me dictate how I act, dictate how I behave, dictate how I speak. Like, I won't allow anyone's perceptions, perception of me dictate you know, me being my best self. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, that's amazing, because you like the straight up class act, class act, and you already know, killing with kindness. It's like, there's no need to cuss somebody out because they called you the N-word. Where is that gonna take it? <laughs> you know? So it's like, I think it's such a great approach the way that you're doing things and how classic and gracious, and let's just say the grace your amount, your grace is like, I'm learning from you because it's like, we all can get a little, a little, you know, above ourselves and a little bit arrogant, you know, we all get that way. But it's just so great to see someone that's so gracious and so understanding and willing to, an airplane and willing to, uh, you know, just somebody just willing to like share their knowledge. Like you don't have to do any of this stuff that you're doing because the life skills portion, me and you both know that's half the school. Because yeah. you, let's be honest, a lot of a lot of um, let's just talk about real simple algorithms: Experian, Equifax, and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I mean, yeah. what is that about? Like, why are we why are we learning that as we go while we get older? 
That just makes no sense. So I didn't have any credit cards for eight years, but then my score goes down. I'm getting penalized because I have no debt. That makes no sense. So those are the kind of things that they don't teach us. That, they don't teach us that stuff in school, you know? Yeah. And so here you are giving your information, your knowledge as the child, you know, of an of immigrants, which is really what America is made up of. Yeah. And, um, and that, that that's just, you know, interesting too. That's a whole other conversation because, you know, as we learn about who we are and that there are black, you know, there are black Dominicans, there are white Dominicans, there are Asian Dominicans, there's, there's Asian Africans, there's African Asians. Just like when I went to South Africa, I never even knew half this stuff existed. Wow. And it's just so sad because you go over to your culture, it's like, how does that feel? How can you be prideful on yourself to not know your in order to know to know where you're going, you should know who you are and where you came from, and it's not really know who you are. Like, there's people before Martin Luther King. There's people, you know, I'm proud of Martin. I'm proud of a lot of people, but there's so much more history that we haven't learned. And then we meet more people like you that are like shedding this information, and you're being so gracious about it. But it's cool because you know, like, I want to be that fighter for you, though. Because I look at this thing and I looked at this and trust me, we get a lot of stuff coming across our digital desk. And I was like, it's just certain people that jump out you, that jump out at you. And it's like your camp, Danielle. Is her Danielle? Danielle. Yeah, Danielle Jeter, yeah. Yeah. Danielle, uh, her last name, you already know. So Danielle did when I saw that last name and I saw the way she puts together her emails, and then I saw the presentation. That's what I look for. I don't read the words all the time. You know, you know, we just don't have time. So I'm looking at the presentation. And so for me, the presentation and what you're, what, what, the vibe you're giving and the energy you're feeding us, and, and it's not bullshit, is like, it's something different. And it's like, you're very humble. And it's just like, it's so, it's so, it's so, so, so beautiful to see a, a man and a human being be so um, vulnerable. Where do you think you get that vulnerability from? Or you inherited it from? Or were you just born? And that is a really good question, man. I would have to do more searching internally to find to find that, <laughs> to be honest, to find the answer to that question. Um, like my, you know, my parents are not really prideful people, although they are proud, if you understand what I mean. Uh, like my dad, he um, he's a pastor. And, you know, like I said, he has a lot of hats, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a pastor and, you know, he preaches and he does an amazing job doing that. And, you know, just seeing who he is in public and seeing who he is in private and seeing that there's no difference that does something to you as a child growing up. And if I were to guess, that's honestly, that's probably where I got it from is just seeing good role models. Seeing my older brother, he's four years older than me, but I look up to him. Like I always say that he's one of the most intelligent people I know. He he's like and he, he's on he's on top of us. He makes sure he, he makes sure that we do what we're supposed to do. He doesn't play, he calls family meetings first Sunday of, of, of every month. He's putting it on our calendar. <laughs> he's he's someone who he found a way to master being super smart, but also athletic, but also a musician, you know, and it's still a humble cat, humble dude. Right. And so I I've just seen that that lifestyle modeled in my life. And, you know, the Apple not only did it not fall far from the tree, the apple just is right next to the tree. Like I just, this is this is who we are, man. So yeah, you probably gotta do some. We we both probably gotta find, figure out what's going on because uh, you know I have a lot of unanswered questions too. Like my grandparents, mm -hmm. um, I feel like when you don't know your grandparents because they either passed away before, you know, you came of age or you can actually remember them. I just feel like I was like. I know I feel their presence around me, but I feel like I was kind of like, dang, who is this lady? What was she about? And listening to what you're saying, but like you said, it's just like, I just, but nowadays I'm just like comfortable with this knowing that it's okay. They're in a good place and I can feel them all around me. And I feel like when you were talking about earlier about 
having a sense of self how did you how did you how did you get how did you get your sense of self because a lot of people don't have it yet and it took myself a long time to get a sense of self and then you know once you get a sense of self you could i feel like once you get a sense of self dr cheyenne bryant we talked to her yesterday on team from team mom on mtv and she was talking about how um you know when you get your sense of self and, and, and i told her i said i felt like when i started understanding who i was i was starting the doors opened up and she said that's exactly you know she was saying that's what happens too and i said i feel like not only was i manifesting i felt like you know you start being and people feel that energy too and you start coming into the you know what i'm saying that sphere that other person you don't even i'm not even like coming i'm not even asking for this person they're just coming so it's kind of like wow it's like this is what it feels like that to um to feel like you know to know who you are to be comfortable and unapologetic for that and then on top of that to uh to um to start to understand why you're here yeah like why am i on this earth like yeah. am i here just to get some money am i here to be on a plane ride to ride a Rolls Royce? no that's not that's not right here now i am here for the experience don't get it twisted but the yeah. same time, it's like, why am I really here? Like, if I was gone today, well, who would remember me? Mm. Yeah. I, I remember when this happened in about 20, 2013, I was watching a video uh, titled, What Does It Mean to Be Human? And that was a, a interesting question to me because I'm like, what does it mean to be human? Like, that's not something we think about often because we know what a human is. But if you think about, you know, what what distinguishes us between, you know, another living thing like, you know, a, a, you know, animal or plants or, you know, a you know, tree, whatever the case is, like we're all made up of matter. You know, you know, we all eat, sleep. Right. We all need some form of you know we all need oxygen like what distinguishes us from other living things what makes us human and that's when i learned about the concept of intrinsic worth and intrinsic value and i'm like you know that's why that's like that's where the idea of human rights come from is like the reason why the entire world looked at germany and the 1930s and 1940s and they were like hey you shouldn't be killing jews you shouldn't be putting people in ovens and it's like but in germany it's legal like they were able to do that but the world was like no 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 we don't care if it's legal in your country we're going to interfere because you are devaluing human life you know, there's something, there's something special and unique about human beings, no matter where they come from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what country they're born in, no matter what their religion is, right? There's something special about every single human being. And it's the work that we have that's, that is ecstatic. It's a locked in. And when I learned about this concept of that's what makes us human, that's what sort of gives us that soul and spirit. I'm like, man, I have to live. I have to live. Because it's one thing to know that something is true, but it is another thing to live with that truth. And I made a decision to live with that truth. You also, um, I caught a couple of things you were saying because you know, I picked up on it, and I was like, I want to ask you because I know, I know I picked up on it. I, I, I was listening to what you we were talking about when you went through your educational career, and I noticed you had did some very interesting jumps for younger people about to go to college. Um, I'm about to go on that career path of there yeah. of a lot of uncertainty because of the economy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like why am I why am I why am I investing fifty thousand dollars in this a year and I can't pay this off until another fifteen years? You know, so it's like why would I want to do that? I mean, some people are not going to be able to pay off if they get a doctorate like you or 
your masters or anything like anything higher level is like you're talking about two hundred thousand dollars or more. Um, so it's like I noticed you said you got you did some real cool things. You got your associates. <laughs> Then you hopped over here, got this one. Can you tell us a little, can you tell some of our younger people out there, you know, if you don't get in the, in, in, in the higher, if, if, even, if you, even if you do get the AB credits, even if you do get those AB credits and you get good grades, like, can you give us that? Because I heard a lot of associates that I heard, masters, you know what I heard a lot of jumping and I heard like, wow, he's smart. Like, can you give us a couple of like doms like a little bit of some knowledge around what you was like how like that 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 career path in college that was intense yeah so i'll be frank with you when i first went to college i went to miami dade college and i actually dropped out believe it or not oh. <laughs> yeah i dropped out after one year in college and the reason why i dropped out is i wanted to start a business and i didn't really think about you know, I was like, you know, colleges, they teach us to be consumers and not producers. I'm like, I want to be a producer, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the mindset to want to be a producer as opposed to only a consumer. And so in my mind, it was a zero sum game. It was either or, either I stay in college or I become a business owner. And that's why I dropped out. And long story short, the business that I started failed after four months and I was like, damn this failed i invested a, a lot of time energy and money into it and i didn't think to go back to college immediately i was like you know what i'm just gonna job and i was like uh, just over broke <laughs> you know let me just get this just over broke real quick and i started working valet uh i eventually started working for savannah james i'm lebron's wife when they were in miami I was working at a place called a juice spot and you know i was making a good amount of money for a college dropout at the time you know i was thinking i i felt that i and this was around that 2013 time that i told you about when i learned about my work i was like man i feel like i feel stagnant i feel like i'm not growing and i was like let me challenge myself let me put myself in a different environment and that's when I made the decision to move to Orlando, but I didn't make the decision to go back to school yet because I still didn't really understand the value of school at the time. But the issue is in a Haitian household, you can't move out unless you either, either going to school or getting married. <laughs> so I was like, I don't got a girl. <laughs> so I got to go back to school. And so I was like, all right. School just became the excuse for me to leave, to go back to school. And while I was in school, I, I was like, huh, I started to get involved because I started to do public speaking and I gave a, a speech at a, a, an event. It was a 9-11 event and, you know, I did a good job and I remember the president of the student government and the, and his chief of staff pulled up on me. They're like, you're the one who just finished speaking? I was like, yeah. He was like, we want you to join the student government. And I was like, ha, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I got stuff to do, I'm busy. I'm trying to do business, I'm trying to have a business, all that. And, cause I had a moving business at the time, but I eventually conceded and I eventually joined the student government and I quickly realized like, wow, there's so much more value you can get out of being a student than just being in the classroom. And I quickly learned, I quickly realized that the only thing you leave with from school, that the only thing you leave with is a degree, then you left with little. You got to leave with the relationships. You have to leave with relationships. You have to leave with skills. Like I learned a lot of my communication while being in the student government. I learned, I was able to travel, especially when I joined the student government at FIU, I was able to travel by being in the student government. There, I flew to Dallas, to Austin, 
Durango, Colorado, Denver, DC. I was going to Tallahassee, meeting US senators, US representatives, meeting CEOs. Like all because I was involved as a student. And I'm like, wow, my God. Like the positioning that you can have by just being an involved student in college, now it will give you connections, it will give you network, it will give you all of these things. But then also you have to keep up your grades if you want to stay involved. So like by default, you have to be a good student. And I would say to people who are looking to go to college and they're debating, you know, internally, like what's the value in college is like, there's something special when you say, hey, I'm a student at FIU or I'm a student at Florida Memorial University or I'm a student at Cornell. Like, look, when you're a student, you could do no wrong. You could do no harm. People would be willing to give you opportunities, but you know this better than me as an adult. When you're old, you got to have your stuff together. If you are not on point, you will get discarded quickly. But as a student, you have room for error. You know, and I you know, made a lot of mistakes. But the, the mistake that I did not make was not getting involved. I, I was involved. I stayed involved. And, you know, that helped me to not only be a good student, but, but also be a good person. And it set me up for places that I'm that I am in life right now. Uh, that's I'm just kind of blown away because it's like you're telling everybody that now I see why this resume reads like this. <laughs> you're telling everybody it's like you tell every you, you you're talking this stuff that every here's my um my Bronx again. Here's you, I didn't close the windows. I don't know. I just wanted to hear that music today. But um, you're telling people things that they um. That we take for granted, right? Because you kind of take that for granted. You you know, you if you look like you said you look back and you were like, dang, I was involved. And you were probably like, you know, I learned parliamentary procedure. I learned, you know, I learned how to conduct a meeting. I learned how to, you know, the the, the logistics of putting together a party, all the way from the balloons all the way to the catering. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff is crazy. And you and then people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, I've been doing that since I was 13. But you take it for granted. You take it for granted, and that's crazy because you haven't taken it for granted. Mm -mm, not at all. And it's funny you said something like this is just it's, it's minor. It's it, it, we we connected on this like something as small as balloons. Like when I would do yeah. when I'll do events at Valencia College, this is what I did. So I would have so I'll tell I'll announce this in the beginning. Blue balloons means this is where you'll find something to drink. Brown balloon balloons mean this is where the food is. This colored balloon means this is the exit that's closest to the bathroom. So like just small things like that. Like every single school organization has their like their, their tricks on how to get their audience engaged and involved and, and things like that. So because I worked with so many different people, I was able to pick up things as small as balloons, but even parliamentary procedure, understanding Robert Rules of Order. Like I use that to this day. <laughs> I use it so much. And it's like, <laughs> there's there's so much there's so much at, at school that you could go and learn from well thank you so much jefferson you're such a pill i mean this is really i'm really having a good week you know what i'm saying i had we had a, um a late night um because you know we're, we're media train we're media sponsoring this event not media training um we're media sponsoring the event and i was like you know what? i'm gonna be up we're closing the issue right now it's in print some you know like you said when, 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 you know when you always been when, when you when you're used to playing those print games you gotta keep it up so you know there's a consumers for everything tablet so you know i was like wow this is so cool but i, I had to talk to this man but i was really about to fall asleep with it but i was like no no so i'm so glad that i took it out because i think it's so great because just when you know we all want to be so perfect all the time we all want to do everything when we want it to be just perfect but when is it ever going to be that way mm -hmm. and also what i learned is what you said people want people people see something people don't see what you see in yourself all the time people see something different and i and i and i'm not afraid to admit that when i saw the resume and the presentation that didn't really bother me that wasn't like oh my god you know i wasn't fangirling for that 
I just like the energy of the, pre the presentation. It was the energy. It was very like, oh, wow. So the energy is what I'm vibing off of. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be, you know, coming to, um, they want to speak to you. Where can they reach out to you? And then also, can you tell us what's next in store for you? Yeah. Oh, people can re find me one on Instagram at Jeff Noel Speaks. Please reach out to me there. Follow me and also shoot me a DM. I respond. Um, people, people can also find me on Twitter at Jeff Noel Speaks also. And I'm also very responsive there. Um, I didn't understand Twitter's interface for like the first 10 years of its existence. <laughs> I started using Twitter like three, four years ago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter now at Jeff Noel Speaks also. So something that we have coming up, uh, Barbershop Speaks has been in existence for six years. And this was, this is the first year that we had an event outside of the state of Florida. And we, we had an event in May of, uh, in May um, in Atlanta. And so right now we're actually gearing up to do a tour called Crypto Convos. We're going inside barbershops up the East Coast to have a conversation about crypto. And uh, our target cities are Philadelphia, Atlanta, Orlando, and to do one more in Miami. Um, and this will take place in the month of July. So I encourage people to follow Barbershop Speaks on Instagram as well at Barbershop Speaks. And then check out our website at um, barbershopspeaks.com. So you could follow the tour, see what we're doing. Um, right, right now this tour is about crypto, um, especially because the market is like, <laughs> the market is horrific right now. It's important to learn more about it um, learn more about it. It's important because the prices that certain crypto coins are at right now, people were begging for those prices two, three years ago. And so um, right now is a good time to learn more about the market, learn more about the technology behind crypto, because it's not only about how can I 10x my money? How can I 20x my money? Like this is not the lottery. You shouldn't be playing the lottery with crypto. You should be understanding the technology because the same way that people didn't know what the internet was 30 years ago in 1992, people were like, what the hell is the internet? Why does it matter? And people eventually, now you can't run a company without having it on the internet. You can't run a company without using email. So it's the same, it's the same trajectory and user adoption that crypto has um, that the internet had. Um, and so taking it upon myself, um, Barbershop Speaks, and saying, let's provide education, let's at least talk about it in spaces that are comfortable for us, right? I see that as extremely important. So I encourage people, again, follow us on Twitter um, for um, Barbershop Speaks at Barbershop SPKS and on Instagram at Barbershop Speaks. And uh, you can find our website, barbershopspeaks.com. Wow, thanks, Jeff. That, I mean, Jeff, that was like, I feel like I've known you now forever because it was like, I'm sure some of the conversation could have went out for whatever reason. But um, like we said, we had some internet issues. I think everybody is. It's just something going on in the world, 5G to 4G equal to 3G. You know what I'm <laughs> but, um, but thank you so much for sharing all this information and being such a... Uh, being such a, a, a pleasure to speak with and being informative. Is there anything else that you want to mention to um, us or tell us about? Are you working on anything else? Or what, what should we expect from from you? Um, right now, you're speaking, right, at NFT VIP, right? I'm speaking on Sunday at 1 p.m. Sunday at 1 p.m. So my, uh, my topic is actually how to balance life um life learning and leadership how to balance life learning and leadership so i'm super stoked to give a speech at nft vip um it's going to be a good time and then also one thing is not even to the audience but it's to you brother like i read <laughs> i read your bio as well um, i was like let me learn more about who i'm going to speak to um and you know you have an amazing journey you have an amazing story as well 
But then also, like, and I'm not blowing smoke, man. Like, this has honestly been one of the best interviews I've ever done. Like, <laughs> like you you ask genuine questions, real questions. It's like, you, you know, you, you have no agendas. Like, we're here to learn, chop it up. And, like, honestly, I'm just, I'm really, really happy and I feel good about this interview. Like, man, I, I really appreciate you, brother. Like, this this has been one of the best interviews I've ever done in my life. So, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, and you know what? That's what I said to myself. I said, sometimes you got to give yourself permission to be a little ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just all about, you know, you know, I just told you that. Micro macroeconomics, if I could, you know. Is it, you know, the, the cost of me talking on one Zoom call mm -hmm. is really, I can talk, I can talk to, you know, <laughs> I can talk to like a hundred people on email, but, but I was like, you know what? I said, let's go back to what we always said to ourselves when we were kids. If you keep doing the same thing, you get the same results. That's so I was like, why don't I just stop doing that and just just be you know just be fluid and just like go with the flow and your ugly is not everybody else's ugly and just because you feel a little you know it's 99 degrees in new york you know 99 degrees in new york is like 109 degrees i, I can smell the food and i can really take in the culture and i can just the architecture is oh so it's like unparalleled you know walking down the streets in new york at night it's like what is this like where am i i'll see temples and gargoyles and then you know a church so when I when I when I saw your um, that we was gonna need to speak to you, I said to myself, "Let me go ahead. Let me just. You cannot cancel this." And that's why I pushed you to. Um, I knew you wanted to reschedule a little bit later, but I was like, "I'm not gonna make it." Because <laughs> I knew what I had to do, and I still had to do it. But I was like, you know, it's, it's all it's all worth it, and I'm so happy that you um, enjoy your talk. We really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, I think a lot of listeners and people are going to be able to read because we also write articles and we do all kinds of stuff. And I think it's going to be such a pleasure to see you. And I might have to skip out on your speech, but you know what? We're going to have somebody taping that. Appreciate but I'm coming right back. I'm coming right back because you know, it's also like um, some other previous engagements we have, but I just wish you was going on a little bit later. <laughs> like one spot. That's so crazy because it's very difficult to like when you hear somebody speak and it's just like, and you're just—it's like you're hitting the um, every note that you know all the things that I've never shared with people until now. And I'm like, I wish I would have did what he did and just allow myself to be open and trained. But we can't do that until we're ready, and that yeah. comes with having a sense of self. And I feel like you um, were very fortunate in finding your sense of self a lot earlier than a lot of people were, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And I just think that I'm very—I'm I'm hoping that people are going to really learn from this. And my last but final question will be. What made you want to speak at this engagement so um, and be a part of it? Yeah, um, so I've been um, in the NFT space for, um, I want to say a while, although it hasn't been like a super long time, but I, I really value networking and I value um, connecting. And so I heard a lot about NFT NYC last year and I didn't have a chance to go. And I was like, man, I really want to go to NFT NYC. And then I, and then so earlier this year, I spoke at Miami NFT week and I met um, some amazing people who um, also were on the planning committee for NFT NYC. And I had such a good time at Miami NFT week. Uh, I met great people. And so I was like, let me reach out. And because I'm a public speaker, I said, okay, let me reach out as a speaker. Let me see if I can get on somebody's stage, right? And um, I was fortunate enough to um, for them to say yes. Um, so one, definitely to speak, um, impart wisdom, empower people at the conference, but also, and I want to say just as important is, is to network because there's going to be so many people there that I never met. You know, this is going to be like my fourth time going to New York but you know but i never really networked when i went to the times i went to new york so this is going to be a good time i have a couple people that i know that will be up there as well i'm hopefully I'm, I'm sure i'll see you we'll chop it up there but that's the reason why i'm going really like network build connect find out 
you know, what work other people are doing, see how we could collaborate or how we could support um, in any way possible. And, and then also learn as well, because one thing that I like doing, like people get surprised, like they, as a speaker, you know, sometimes people go to a conference, they speak and they leave. But see, people get surprised where I go give a speech and everyone is like, oh my God. And then the next session, they see me sitting down right next to them. <laughs> they see me sitting down right next to them learning from the next speaker. Um, so I know I'll definitely have a chance to sit down and listen and learn from the other speakers as well. Well, thank you so much. Yay, Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson. <laughs> so Jefferson, like, it was a pleasure speaking with you. I think that this was like a very powerful conversation because you actually didn't mention NFTs too much. You didn't have to sell me, you, you didn't sell me on Bitcoin. You ain't sell me on Ethereum. I want to be in a space where I can feel trust and I could become um, but I do know enough. I do know how to mint a little bit. You know, I know how to organize people and, and show them how to mint. Or, you know, I can. Or I know how to call you now. You hit the. You you you're so good at what you do, and I don't think you even know it. <laughs> I think you do know it because it's intrinsic, right? <laughs> but um, no, I think it's so it's so great. So thank you so much for working with us, and you know, and we look forward to meeting you in person. I'll see you soon.